You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. And welcome to Alouette's Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I am Tim Capper. You can find me on Twitter at Repact. That's R-E-P-P-A-C-T. And I'm Cliffy D. You can find me on Twitter as well, but at Cliffy D. And this episode of the Alouette's Flight Deck podcast is presented by our good friends over at SportBuff, where right now you can save 10% off your entire order by using the promo code FLIGHTDECK-10. So head over to www.sportbuffshop.com to check out all the great merchandise available. Buy local, support local. And we are on the internet. Best place to find out our entire archive uh, and links that we're going to be uh, commenting on here is over at alouettesflightdeck.ca. You can catch up on any of the 192 episodes that we've done previously. Uh, you can also catch us on Twitter. That is at Alouette's FL Deck. Facebook, you can find us at Alouette's Flight Deck Pod. Instagram, do a search for Alouette's Flight Deck. YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash Alouette's Flight Deck. And expect uh, with the uh, camp coming up, Cliff and I have, have some ideas of, uh, that we're going to be having uh, posted up there. And if you want to check out our merchandise store, you can do so at teespring.com slash stores slash Al's Flight Deck. A little bit of a different episode. We've had a couple of these in our history here, eh, Cliff? That uh, um, it's not that there isn't there isn't news to talk about from the Alouettes. There just really isn't that much news, obviously, with where we are within the offseason leading up to the draft, leading up to training camp. But this is something that you have been working on for a while, and uh, we've uh, we were finally able to get uh, this uh, longtime, well-known CFL alum uh, on the pod. Yeah, I mean, I know I know people like to throw around the word the goat or legend, like it's like it's nothing. But I mean, our guest this evening definitely, I think, qualifies. You know, definitely for legend status, no question about that. When it comes to being the goat, I think you could put him up there as well. I mean. The fact that this gentleman is a CFL legend as a quarterback Mm -hmm. in this league Mm -hmm. and has the dubious distinction of having been a member of all nine CFL clubs is nothing short of a nine. Did you say all all nine? nine. Oh, wow. All nine. Yes, folks. I am so excited to be able to tell you that joining us tonight on the Alouette's flight deck is none other than number five himself, former Alouette's former uh let's go down the list shall we <laughs> former alouettes quarterback former saskatchewan Rough Riders quarterback former winnipeg quarterback or no let's not do that it, it's kevin glenn ladies and gentlemen <laughs> kevin glenn is going to be on the alouettes flight deck tonight yeah so excited yes and if anybody remembers our, our other uh, standalone episodes, our special episodes uh, with uh, Ben Cahoon or with uh, Anthony Calvillo, this one, th- this one, I said, this one it's, it is about Kevin Glenn. You'd be, be able to hear about his history in football, CFL stories that he can tell, tease us about stories he can't tell. Um, it's... 
it's a great way to to catch up on uh, on this gentleman's you know career in the CFL. Mm-hmm. And my goodness, I mean, it's been quite a career. It's been quite a story when you think about it. I mean, to have essentially been a member of all nine CFL clubs is mind boggling when you think about it. And to to hear it from him, I mean, to hear his tales of all all the the, the associations has been. Incredible! It's it's amazing. It's it's such an amazing thing. And again, this is something that I've been working on now for just just under I'd say about three and a half years now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Trying to get, like it's just it's just never lined up. But thankfully, the stars have aligned. Now we've finally been able to ha- say that we have had the OG, as they say, Kevin Glenn on the show. And what a treat! What yep. a treat! I'm so I'm so thankful that we've been able to get this done. And I'm so excited for each and every one of you to listen to this because this was one heck of an interview. Yep. So everybody sit back, grab a Putin, and grab your favorite flavor of slush puppy as we talk with CFL legend Kevin Glenn. Joining us now is a guest that we have been extremely excited to talk with for quite some time now. Uh, it's been a few years in the making to get this interview on, underway, but we are finally making it happen, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, we are extremely thrilled to welcome to the Alouette's Flight Deck, the one, the only, Kevin Glenn. Kevin, welcome to the Alouette's Flight Deck. Nah, thanks for having me on the show, fellas. I'm pretty honored to, that you guys reached out to me to try to get me on the show. Like I said before, it has taken a little bit of time, but I'm glad that I'm here. <laughs> well, as they say, they don't ask how, they ask by how many. So you know what? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> took a couple of years to make happen, but we were making it happen. And we could not be more thrilled about this. Uh, well, first that was, of all, that was, I, was, I was just trying to do that just to make sure that I keep a you know presence uh, amongst the CFL, you know, you do stuff, uh, you know, early on when you, as soon as you're retired and they try to get, you know, try to forget about you, you know, so if you let stuff linger on, you know, you stay around to 2023, you know, and still able to, you know, to, to do interviews and podcasts. So <laughs> that's it. You gotta, you gotta keep the name, keep the name fresh on everybody's lips. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was so, about to say, though, Kevin, I don't think anybody would forget about you considering what you accomplished in the CFL. There's no way I don't think any CFL fan would forget who you were. Uh, probably not. Um, I, I I know, you know, being affiliated with every like every team, even down here, like back at home, um, when I tell individuals that they get they they get you can see the amaze amazement in their eyes. Like, wow, like you you were with every team. So you're right. I probably won't get nobody will probably forget about me. Um, but sometimes out of sight, out of mind, it does happen at times. I mean, com- competing the, uh, the CFL grand sl- quarterback grand slam, that's quite an achievement either way. <laughs> it, it is. It is. And I, I enjoy it. Like I said, I've talked to a lot of fans. It's funny that cause, uh, I think the past two weeks, ESPN classic here, um, down in the States have been showing like great, like a bunch of different great cups, Labor Day games. And, you know, I do some training, uh, you know, quarterback training here in in, in Michigan and Detroit area, and I've had a couple of my, uh, my 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 clients, some of my quarterbacks, young quarterbacks, was like, "Hey, we seen you on TV the other night on ESPN <laughs> Classic." So it's kind of cool because sometimes you know these young kids don't think uh, when you tell them you've done it, they sometimes they you got to show them, you know. So uh, it was good for them to be able to see that. So it's been a good thing. I know there's a, 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 a go ahead, Cliff. Go ahead. 
I was going to say, and what better way to sell yourself as a coach or a trainer than yeah. be like, okay, like show me the receipts, right? And they're like, well, tune on ESPN Classics, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that's always it's always good, you know. So I gotta I gotta figure out how to get some film though from some of my uh, some of my ex coaches and friends. I gotta call some of these some of these organizations and see if I can get some film because sometimes I need it like right on the spot, you know. Can all they don't always play, you know, games where I was actually. It was the team that I was playing for. It was, you know, so many, like, uh, great games over the years um, of great cups and Labor Day classics and just, you know, just regular games that they've been playing. So when you have it, when you see yourself on television, on ESPN classics and stuff like that, are you the type of player who will watch the game again? Or are you or do you say to yourself, I already know how this game happened. I don't need to watch myself. Oh, I definitely watch the game. I'm a, I'm a fan at the end of the day. Like, um, and anybody that knows me, like I, like I still catch the CFL games, um, you know, during the season when I can, if we're not playing, uh, in high school. So, or if I'm not doing something, you know, doing anything with the family, like I'm a fan of this game. So at, even if it's me playing, I still go back to, kind of relive what happened or sometimes you play so many games you forget and you'd be like oh man i remember that i remember that happening now you know so um it's it's, it's pretty cool like you said to, to be able to watch yourself on tv like um you know at this moment in my life um and everything that i've accomplished to be able to see it on te- television you know like and in, and in, in, it's not necessarily real time but still you're still watching it as if it's in real time it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of cool do you ever you know, I, I've been I've been trying to I've been trying to play a, a joke um, on like some like family members or something like my son I can't do it with my son or, or my daughter like any immediate family um, but some friends or something to try to uh, get a game on TV that they don't know that's necessarily a, a classic game from years ago and try to tell them that you know I can figure out what the score is going to be at the end of the game <laughs> before, before it ends. So <laughs> take take a little action on that game. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I try to do it with some of my younger younger cousins or younger you know my nieces and nephews that's great i love that you ever come across a game that may be on espn classic and say it was how many years ago that this game was on yes <laughs> and i was thinking about that the other day when i uh i was talking to uh one of the one of my uh clients one of the kids i trained i was talking to his father and uh and and we just got to you know just talking and he was like man like what, what year was your rookie year and when i went to like on my lips to actually say the number <laughs> i mean i was like wow that was a long time ago <laughs> and i couldn't like before i even said the number i just that it just 2001 is like you don't think it is or but that's a long long time ago mm-hmm. you know and i think it may have had something to do with the fact that we've all been through covid because the last past three years has, has felt like it's been seven or eight you know, mm-hmm. so, uh, but, but when you think about it, you know, 20, 20 something years ago, you know, it was the first time that I ever, you know, stepped on the CFL field is a long time ago. Man. Well, let's talk I mean, about it's what... half, it's half, it's half the amount of years that I've been, bo- you know, I've been born on the earth. I'm 40, I turned 44 this June, you know, so we're talking, yeah, that... we're talking 20, you know, 21 years ago, 22 years ago. Yeah, that's that's when they say a lifetime. Like it's not quite a lifetime, but I mean that's half your lifetime. Like, that's, that's half. It's half my lifetime ago. <laughs> ah. 
<laughs> well, let's talk about what puts you on a CFL football field. I mean, we we know you went to Illinois State and you did great stuff there. Uh, was there ever any indication, like when you were done playing football there, was there ever any indication about NFL or another league or anything? Or was it, well, what brought you to Canada, essentially? Um, more so the opportunity. You know, like uh, I'll say it wasn't, playing professional football, I think, has always been a, a, a dream of mine, you know, growing up. Um, and watching, you know, uh, like I, like I watched like Randall Cunningham and guys like Dan Marino, you know, growing up. So Charlie Ward, it was always an, op- it was always one of those things where, man, I wanted to go to college and play quarterback and, you know, possibly get to the NFL, but it was never, it, it never crossed my mind that I, I would actually do it, you know, um, until, like I said, until the, until the opportunity and the opportunity came when I was, you know, uh, when Saskatchewan reached out to me at the time, Roy Shivers was the GM um, and they reached out. And that's when it was kind of like, like, wow, like this could possibly be something that, you know, that I could actually get into, you know, and I could actually be able to, you know, make money playing a game that I played for years for free, you know, or started playing with a bunch of my friends. And the only reason I wanted to play is because all my friends was playing, you know, so and I, I think I've told people this before, like I, the the quarterback position. I never really started playing the position until I was maybe like 13 years old, you know, and didn't really do a lot of like throwing in high school. Um, did enough, you know, to be able to uh, like win two state championships and be on the like dream team. That's like the all like Michigan team, you know, in high school. So, uh, but never, I it wasn't something that was like like wow, like this I could I could actually do this. It only came when I got that opportunity. When I was when Saskatchewan reached out to me, that's when it clicked into my head. Like, man, this could this could really be something. Okay. And when you arrived in Saskatchewan, did you know anything about like I I know Detroit and Windsor. I mean, like, basically, let's, let's, let's call it what it is. Detroit is Canada. <laughs> it really is when you think <laughs> right, about it. Exactly right. We're North right, of Canada, yeah, which yeah. which a, a lot of people Detroit don't know. Is, it says something about Detroit is one of uh, one city that's like north. That's north of a Canadian city. I think it may be one of that that kind of thing. Because the yep. way that it, the way that it sits, we're actually north on the map of Windsor. Um, so, uh, but yeah, Detroit is is like Windsor. I grew up with CBC Station on my regular television <laughs> because we were so close to Canada. Now, when Journey sings about in the song "Don't Stop Believing," this born and raised in South Detroit, isn't that essentially Windsor? <laughs> exactly and that's that's where exactly that's where the, the whole concept thing comes from they'd be like south detroit like that is, like that's windsor like there is no such thing as south detroit <laughs> so we do have a southwest detroit um and that's a little bit under windsor type of thing so <laughs> my gosh but uh but yeah it's it's so uh it's so funny because um that you say that because i didn't know i didn't know a lot about Saskatchewan at the time, um, per se. I did a lot of research once I found out when they reached out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a lot of research on it. But even even individuals from the from the city of Detroit and fans and family of mine, when I told them, hey, you know, I got an opportunity, I'm gonna be going to Canada to play, and they're like, whoa, you going to Windsor? That's what they associated Canada with across the border, you know. And I'm like, no, I'm going like 24, 25 hours away driving, and they're like. They didn't know that Canada existed over there. <laughs> so it's just it's just one of those things culturally of, you know, uh, growing up so close to Canada. And that was the only thing that you ever heard of. And that's the only thing you ever did. 
um, in Canada. Now, a lot of people did know about uh, Toronto, um, but other than that, you know, it was kind of like nothing out west existed, you know, to Detroiters uh, when you when you when you spoke on Canada. Mm. And what were your impressions when you got to Saskatchewan? Uh, I understand why people. Uh, the first impression, I understand why people didn't know nothing about this place. <laughs> um, cause it was, it was just, it was different. You know, it was different than what I was kind of used to. I'm a city guy, you know, city boy grew, grew up in the city. And even though I went to Illinois state, you know, it was still like a college town and we were an hour and 15 minutes South of Chicago. So I spent a lot of time in Chicago city. So when you got there, it was kind of like very flat, uh, and like not a lot, and when I say not a lot, I mean like not a lot to do per mm-hmm. se, because mm-hmm. um, there was a whole, it was a whole lot of land, a lot of land, and and everybody like loved green, <laughs> but uh, but for you know for things to actually do and kind of get into as far as the city was concerned, it was a it was a little struggle early on because you just didn't know like your way around type of thing. Um, but it was it was a different it was a different atmosphere. It was very it was a lot slower than what I was kind of used to. Mm-hmm. But I kind of look back on that and say that was the Lord kind of put me in a position to where I could focus, you know, on you know being a professional athlete type thing. Mm-hmm. By the way, yeah. out, of, out of curiosity, um, as you said, you, you you know, Roy reached out to you in, in two thousand one. Was there ever a point where Kevin Glenn may not have been in the CFL? Because obviously they were indoor leagues at the time like that, and they were paying pretty good money. But were, were you courted by anybody else besides the CFL? Well, like pro days with NFL teams, they were all like literally trying to like change my position, and I was kind of at that point to where it was kind of like like you literally want me to go to the highest level there is of professional, you know, um, sports. And change my position to something that I've never done before in my life. Like mm-hmm. I just wasn't confident enough to say in to say, oh, I can go from playing this one position for four for eight, you know, ten years straight to now changing and going on the other side of the ball. And I, you know, at the highest level, I just I just wasn't necessarily comfortable enough because I had never, you know, I never did it. It wasn't anything. It wasn't something that was, um, you know, that was normal to me at the time. Right. Quarterback was normal. Yeah, you know, being a leader on the field and uh, directing people and understanding offense—that was that was normal to me. So that's I kind of like I kind of took my chances in saying, you know, hey, it's still an opportunity to actually, like I said, get paid to do something that I love to do, um, and it could possibly put me in a, in a in a closer position to maybe get to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it was after I got the opportunity. Like I said, after after I got the opportunity and the call, it was kind of one of those things where. The it was like it was one of those things where my my mind was set up that I was going to take that route mm-hmm. and see where it took me, you know, as far as my football career was uh, was going to go, my professional career was going to go. Okay, so it was it was really just general the the CFL at the time. Nobody from Arena reached out to you. Nobody from any the NFL at the time reached out to you. So it was the the CFL or bust basically at that moment. I mean, pretty much, yeah. Like I said, the NFL team was trying to get me to change positions. Like at pro days, I talked at a bunch of interviews with you know NFL teams, and you know we're thinking about you know if we if we were to bring you in, we'd probably kind of like you know change your position and move you. Uh, and we was talking about defense, and it was kind of like, come on, man! Like, what do you guys see? Like, you guys are going to be the, the scouts and the professionals at that. And but I think it was more so just because I was. 
I was just I was just an athlete. Like I played all three sports, very good at all three of them, and just I just knew I knew the game. And you know, I was a student of every, and I was a student of the game in like every sport that I played. So okay, but it was it was kind of like CFL. Yeah, it was kind of CFL, or I wouldn't necessarily say bust, but bust as far as professional sports might have been concerned, because it was either CFL or <laughs> go work with the degree. Right. No, I get the degree that I got. You know, from playing from playing uh, um, you know, from playing sports in college to you know to use that. Okay. No, I was I was just curious because I know because we you know where you went to school and all and where you you know obviously where where you considered home. You know the Arena League had a team in Detroit at the time and you know back and forth players like R. Cal Trutluck. I didn't know if he had reached out to you and saying you know maybe you could play here or not. But I was just curious. That's good. But you know what? You yeah, that's, you, it's funny. It's funny that that happened. I got a good friend, Chuck Winters. Hmm. So when Stubler came up from the Detroit Arena team, he brought Chuck Winters to him to with to the CFL. And now Chuck Chuck is literally. I think he, like he's a lifer. He's in Canada now, still. Yep. You know, so um, it's funny that you say that because Bobby Gordon, yep, that I played with in yep. Winnipeg, mm-hmm. another one who was on the Detroit Arena team. So there could have been, and maybe who knows if the CFL didn't stick. Maybe at that point, that's when I would have, you know, explored Arena. Maybe. Yeah. And, uh, but at the time, it was yeah, it was CFL or nothing. Yeah, Kahari also Kahari Jones played in the in the Arena League. That which is oh sure did yeah blows my mind in itself so it's mm-hmm. yeah oh that's cool that's cool okay but you know what hey if yeah. if you had gone if you had gone to the arena league or another league we wouldn't be you wouldn't have had all the accolades that you currently have now so it's right. and I I don't think I don't think that I was even I don't even think my thought process like you said was at that capacity as far as arena was. Mm-hmm. When I got the when I got the CFL opportunity, right. you know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. I think it was like I was so focused on like professional football. Sure. Hey, this is something that I've always wanted to do. I'm getting an opportunity. Let me explore this opportunity. Yeah. How was it going from the college game to being a uh, a CFL or well, a pro rookie for the first time? Oh man, it was uh it was a it was a big transition. Like it was a it was a tough one. Um, because it went from like high school to Youth to high school was was a was a was a transition. High school to college was a transition because, but you were still kind of like I said, because no money was involved in college and scholarships, but there wasn't really any money involved. You know, there wasn't any passing of checks type mm-hmm. of thing. You know, after games when you you know when you're done and stuff. So once you get to the professional level, now there's a there's a different level of commitment. There's a different level because now this is like guys' livelihood, and you're not just playing this game, you know, just to just to play it. You know, you're playing this as a career. So mm-hmm. now you have to take a totally different approach, and that was the biggest transition, you know, because you I played the game since I was, you know, nine years old. I played the position since I've been 13, and now you know you get I'm 22 years old, you know, fresh out of college. And I want a team that, with, and when I say like, when I say grown men, I mean men with families, mm-hmm. with kids, with wives who are. This is how they. This is how they feed their families. So um, that was my biggest, I think, transition because I was still a young, young adult coming fresh out of college uh, to where I had to kind of get, you know, get accustomed to this being a job. You know, it wasn't just necessarily. Um, an extracurricular activity that I did in, you know, in school, in high school, and then kind of even in college um, to a certain extent. 
Um, it was like, hey, if if you weren't, it, you were getting up early, going in to work out, lift, uh, spending extra time, you know, after practice to make sure that you could understand the uh, the offense, um, getting extra reps after offense. I mean, after practice with the receivers and running backs, just to make sure everything meeting with your coaches. It was just like it was a it was a lot. It was very demanding, you know, and it was more demanding than college. And I think that was like the biggest transition. I do know that one thing that helped me is hanging around older guys and just like asking a bunch of questions. And those guys, like I, I watched what they did and watched them, and it was kind of like, okay, he said he's been here for like seven or eight years. Okay, see, so he figured it out. He know he's gonna be here, you know. Like I need to watch and see what he does. You know, and what he's doing. If he's if he's doing that and he's been here for eight, nine years, that means he's doing something right. You know, I was that kind of I was that kind of like I said, student of the game and student of my surroundings. Mm-hmm. Who uh who took you under their wing? I mean, I guess you could say initially, they, yeah, yeah. Initially, like when I got to Saskatchewan, um, like because Marvin Gray was the other quarterback that was there when I first got there, so. Uh, Marvin did a very good job, like, because I would, like, ride to work with him in the morning and stuff, and we all, like, kind of stayed in the same building. Uh, me and Omar Evans were roommates, but we were both rookies. So, you know, we had to find somebody, you know. But um, Omar Morgan, uh, Ladolphius McCallum, um, the defensive guy that, that was there, uh, Shante Peoples, um, Demetrius Maxey, they were all kind of like big brothers to us. Like they basically, they basically kind of like, kind of like showed us the way. Like they put us in touch with the right people as far as um, the banking information, like banking and stuff that we need to do. Like Demetrius Maxey, literally, when he got there um, to Saskatchewan, used to like literally like, hey, get in the car, I'm taking you over to the bank. You're going to open up a bank account, you know, in Canada. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like no questions asked, you know. So. Uh, but he, he kind of like, I mean, and that's, I think they were looking out for us. They, and I think they've seen something that like maybe the guy like Roy Shivers seen in us, like, Hey man, this guy has a potential to probably be here for a long time. You know, let me look out to him. Let me give him some, some pointers on what to kind of do. And I've always tried my best to do the exact same thing when I got to be that bet and look out for rookies too. But, um, you know, but like I, I remember vivid, vividly during training camp, my rookie year, like stressing out on whether or not I was. I, I remember the first cut after that week, you get those first cuts and it's like starting sending guys home. And I'm like, oh, like this is real. <laughs> they're, they're bringing guys in. They're going to get them. Tell them, hey, grab your playbook. Go see the coach. And then the next day you don't see him at practice. So I'm like, oh, this is real. And I remember stressing out like, man. Am I gonna make it? You know, I don't want to go back home. Like it's, you know, it was one of those things where you like you do so much trying not to fail um, that you forget about what you really need to do to succeed. And Omar Morgan, I remember Omar Morgan. Like we was in, uh, like in the little commons area. That I think they had gave us the night off to watch the uh, the the finals. I think the Lakers and can't remember who was in the 2001 like finals. It might have been the Lakers and the Pistons. Was it Lakers um, Nets? Well, we were watching the. Or was it Lakers Nets 2001 that summer? And uh, and we were watching the game, and, and I was stressing, and we were playing cards and stuff, and Omar was like, man, what's wrong with you? What's going on? And I'm like, God, I don't know. I was like, dude, I don't know if I'm, I'm going to make it. Like, he was like, listen, I've been, I've been up here, like, I think at the time he had been up here like two, three years. He said, look, I've seen some quarterbacks. He's like, you good, man. You're going to be all right. And I'm like, I had to take his word for it because he was a vet. 
you know, and he kept telling me, you good, you all right. And I'm like, that kind of like eased my, you know, kind of eased my nerves a little bit. And then after training camp, he came to me and told me, he said, you you remember when you asked me what you were stressing and if you were going to be all right, if you were going to make the team? And I told you, yeah, you were going to make the team. He said, you know how I knew that? I said, how? He said, because it was only three of y'all. And we only three. We we keep three quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like a, it was like it was. But I didn't know that. I didn't know that there were you know three quarterbacks on the roster at the time that don't count against the ratio. So he like, oh, you know, some three gonna be here. Like, <laughs> so he, but he was a vet, and that was one of those things. Like as a vet, you know things that sometimes rookies don't necessarily know. So that was like, and that's that was those are the guys like I kind of hung around in order to like to, to put me in a position to have a long lasting career and, and you know be successful doing it. Yeah. Well, wow. it, it it's it's crazy to think that you were this is you're probably the first person that I've ever known that was worried about having to leave Saskatchewan. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now does that make any sense right? But it was so I was so caught up in my like, man I left home, you know, what am I going to say when I if I go back home and I don't make the team like now you remember, I started as a true freshman in high school, played all four years. I started as a true freshman in college, played all four years. It was kind of that one, like, you. I've had so much success and has been playing that, you know, that one initial, uh, you know, de- like, uh, feeling of defeat where you may get cut because this is now, it's real now. Like I said, it's, you're signing checks, you know, there's owners that are signing checks and, you know, for the way that you played the, the, the week before, the night before. So um, that's a that's a lot of pressure. People don't think it is because they think, oh, you're, you're 22 years old and hey, you fresh out of college. That's still that's that's a lot for, for a young man. Now, you, you think about this. Now, now take the NFL, for instance, when you're dealing with millions of dollars on that same level. That's a lot for a 22 year old coming straight out of college to, to handle you know, 21-year-old. Because mm-hmm. I was actually 21 turning 22 in June. So I was 21 in training camp because we were in training camp in, you know, in uh, in May. I didn't turn 22 until, you know, once the, after the regular, after the preseason game, when I was, you know, June 12th. So mm-hmm. that's a lot, you know, and being away from home and a whole other country. But, you know, like I said, I, I gravitated to some good individuals, some good vets that was on that team. Um, and then, you know, the, the coaching staff and stuff at the time did a good job of, of understanding that too. You know, we got a young rookie quarterback, so let's try to, you know, try to help him out. Let's try to, you know, you know, at the same time, they want you to be a, a you're grown up. You want to be a man, um, you know, but at the same time, they're helping you when you, when you have questions. What was the, uh, most, uh, besides camp, what was the most humbling thing that you, that happened to you that first season that you basically carried on for the rest of your career? First year, or it could have been anywhere in your career. Something that just humbled, honestly, humbled you. Honestly, so. would have probably. I mean, honestly, the I, probably the first start that I had. Um, and I, and I said it was it was it was humbling because I can I can re- vivid remember, remember the the way that the situation happened. My first start that year was in Toronto, and I think it was kind of humbling because it was like um, I was going back close to home to play mm-hmm. like that was it was like that it was like that that one opportunity like if if i don't ever have you know a, a stellar career i would have at least my parents and like family would have would have at least got to at least see me play in one game 
mm-hmm. one professional game, you know, and that was in person per se. And that was the, my first ever start, which was in Toronto. Um, and so it was kind of one of them things like, you know, like you, you stress yourself out so much about, like you said, like being like making a team and, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to satisfy so many different people because you've had so much success. I was the oldest of five children. My younger brothers had seen me have all the success. I can't let them, you know, I can't let them see me fail. Well, this was humbling because it was like, wow, like I've made it. And now they can actually see me in person do it, mm-hmm. you know, on this, on this kind of stage. Um, so I would say that was probably my first year, probably the most, you know, humbling thing to where it was kind of like, it didn't matter like what happened after this. Like I, this was, that was one of the, the goal was to actually be able to have my family be able to see me, you know, live in person, play on that kind of stage. Mm. That's, oh, that's tremendous, yeah. especially knowing. Like, I, I imagine you must have had quite the convoy from Detroit coming into coming to that game just to see you do your thing. Exactly, and we yeah we won. I think we won like twelve six. I didn't I, I didn't have like the the best outing, but you know, <laughs> but we won the game. You know, and like you said, it was in front of family who. Um, they always, they've always supported me, especially when there was opportunities for them to drive and, and like they rent the, you know, the big coach buses and charter buses and drive up. So my family is always, and that, like I said, that was one of those humbling situations to where, because it was kind of like, all right, you know, I've always, I've always been like the, you know, the the guy that everybody looked to in the family as far as the success goes, and now it was like. It was like I could I, I could care less what happened after this because they because I I I I've actually um, and this wasn't this wasn't pressure that my family was putting on me it was pressure that I was putting on myself about the family you know about my family you know mm-hmm. so it was kind of one of them things like I did it you know I don't care what else happened after this they at least they got to see me you know okay okay. All right. Now, going from Saskatchewan essentially to Winnipeg, which was, of course, uh, you know, the rivalry between Winnipeg and Saskatchewan has been known for decades upon decades in the Canadian Football League. Uh, talk to us about your time in Winnipeg. I know you've done multiple stints in both Saskatchewan and Winnipeg, but when you first got to Winnipeg, after being essentially a, a Saskatchewan Rough Rider and now being on the other side of that fence, Talk to us about that experience. Man, it was kind of like a similar experience to when I first landed in Saskatchewan. And it was, um, even though I had spent, like, spent time in Winnipeg because we played Winnipeg. So I would visit Winnipeg. But it was kind of like uh, um, getting off that plane in, uh, in Winnipeg when I got traded there. Um, and, you know, and getting to the facility was kind of like, <laughs> it was kind of like that same feeling as far as Saskatchewan, but it was a little bit different because I had already had three years underneath my belt now in the league. So I kind of knew a little bit. I knew how to maneuver a little bit um, to where, you know, when I got there, I knew exactly, I knew where to go. I knew how to, I knew I had to go to a banking institution to make sure I got the banking account and and make sure I got good with the person who was, you know, transferring the money from Canadian and U.S. back to my back, to my bank. I went to my bank back home so I can get the good conversion rate. You know, all that kind of stuff that they don't necessarily tell you about, but you have to learn it. And so I learned all that my first few years in Canada. I mean, in Saskatchewan. So I kind of carried that over to me in Winnipeg. Um, now, the other thing, like Winnipeg was a little bit, it was initially, it was to me, it was kind of similar to Saskatchewan. But as you start to maneuver around the city, you see that it's, it's now a little bit bigger. 
And now, you know, you know, you got the St. Vital area in, in Winnipeg and, um, I can't even think of it. Remember, we used to like drive over the bridge to the other, to this other mall. So it was like more malls in Winnipeg. So it's kind of like, okay, now this is a little bit better as far as things to do. You can get away a little bit. You know, you don't have to be, you know, right around the facilities and right around the stadiums to do everything. Um, cause that's what we were used to when we went to visit or went to play as an opposing team in Winnipeg. You stayed close to the stadium. And that's really the only thing you did was walk around, you know, you know the, the little areas around the, around the stadium to shop in the mall and kind of stuff. So initially, initially Winnipeg was the same, but as as I got there, started to you know be able to explore the city, it it, it began to be a you know a better situation as far as living is concerned. And, it's, and remember now, because I don't want I don't want people from Winnipeg or Saskatchewan to listen to this podcast and go, well, he, you know, he's talking bad. Remember, we're talking about 2001 and 2004. Those, both of those places right now are a lot different than they were back then. Oh, 100%. I can, <laughs> I can just imagine what it was like back in the day and compared to today. Yeah, night and day. Night yeah. and day. As for both night, cities. Night and day. Yeah, I mean, you say you got, the, you know, you got the, the Jet Stadium downtown now um, in Winnipeg that wasn't necessarily there when I first got there. Um, and the Jets wasn't in town, but you know, I, I, I did get a chance to water, you know, play in Winnipeg when the Jets was there, so and got a couple chances to see, you know, see the hockey game. They, you know, I, I spent, dude, I, I, me and my wife was actually just talking about Justin, I'll never forget. Um, Justin Timberlake had, uh, had a, he was on a tour and they did an HBO special on his, uh, I think it was called the Crazy Sexy Love Tour. And um, one of his solo albums, and he came to Winnipeg. And one of my best friends, Sam Young, uh, uncle, was working the camera crew for HBO. He got us like tickets in the pit, and I've never experienced a concert like that to this day. Like that, that concert when me, me and my wife and one of my best friends, Sam Young, was at the concert in Winnipeg, and that's where everybody said, hey, "You went to a concert? Like that's the best concert you ever went to was in Winnipeg." Yes, because we were down in the pit, like right up on the stage and everything. Um, so, but that's you know what I'm saying. Like, so those are some things. Like, yeah, Justin Timberlake coming to coming to Winnipeg. That's a that's that's a good thing. That's some things to do. So Winnipeg was a little upgrade from Saskatchewan as far as the living is concerned and things to do around town. Now, one of the things about your your stint in Winnipeg that well, the the first stint, anyways, uh, that was memorable beyond comparison was you were essentially tasked with getting the Blue Bombers to and winning the Grey Cup. And you came extremely close to doing that in 2007. And unfortunately, uh, you know, fate had a, a different story in the in the end for you. Yeah. yeah, I'm still trying to figure out what the Lord was trying to tell me at that point. You know, I don't think I, I still haven't gotten that message yet. You know, they say everything happens for a reason. I'm still trying to figure out why why that one didn't happen, <laughs> why that one happened. So, but uh, you know, uh, you know, we always kid about it, and you know, like I said, I'm a team guy, and the the thing that I was kind of like intrigued about with it, like, and then you go back and watch it, was like it was Gimbrady's like first first ever start as a Canadian football player. Like, like how how did that ever happen? That's your first ever start as a professional in in the Great Cup, you know? So. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just hoping that like, that was the play, and we would we would win the in, we would win the Grey Cup with that being like his first start. I was like, that would be a great story. The starter goes down, breaks his arm, and in the backup, it's his first game ever. 
as a professional and they win, you know? So, uh, but I mean, it was a, it was a great, I think it was, it was a great ride, you know, that we had. I mean, that's probably one I, I tell everybody, that's one of the like best, like all around teams that I've like been associated with. You know, when I say team, I'm talking not just the play on the field, but the way that we interacted off the field too, you know, from like hanging out after the game with families and not just like the players, but the family. Like we would go after the game, the Earls and it was, they would just have a section waiting on the blue bomber players and everybody would be there with their wives and family. And, and, you know, moms and dads were in town, you know, kids. And it was just that type of atmosphere. And it was a, it was a really, really good, you know, feeling around the team. I think, uh, that, that year in, uh, in Winnipeg. I still dated, I still dated as one of the, you know, one of the best years of my life. That was the year I got married. Um, went to the Great Cup that year. Um, I was up for, you know, MVP of the league, MOP of the league. I led the league in passing that year. 2007 was a good year, except for that one thing. That's why I said I'm waiting on the, the Lord has something for me. I'm telling you. And it's, and it's, re, it's in regards to that, that breaking of my arm. Um, I'm waiting on. I'm still waiting on. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, did you ever have the thought that maybe just like say the hell with it? Like I'll play anyways, and just like take a whole lot of oh. painkillers or something. Oh yeah, we. I, I, dude, I tried. Like I tried to come back that that game. Like when we got in the in the locker room, and when they started to cut the jersey off, I was like, oh, this is serious. And afterwards, I'm like, well, this is the initial shock, and that's why it just hurts like that. And we, I was like, dude, there's nothing. Like, I can't, it can't wrap it. I can't do. And the doc would always, he was like, okay, move your arm this way. And I would try, I would try to move it, and I couldn't even get to a point where I would move it. And it was, he was like, exactly. So just imagine somebody barreling to you or falling on that. He's like, it's going to do more damage. So, but it was just, it was nothing I could do. But I, I thought about it and asked, and but it was just nothing. So at that at that point, I tried to you know be the best you know teammate and help you know encourage Brian you know to go out and, you know and do his best because that's a lot of pressure to put on one individual you know um, you know because everybody will go back and say you know about the interceptions and with James Johnson I think got MVP off of that I mean that's a lot of pressure on the guy first ever start I mean I think Jimmy played pretty pretty doggone good in order and I think he put us in a position to to win you know. Um, it's just, it, I mean, it's just what, you know, it just wasn't our night at the end of the day. But I know that, that was the other thing. Cause when I, I broke my arm and it was kind of like, man, okay, well, I know I'm going to win the MOP. That was, just, that was, you know, that was God's way of, Hey, the, the quarterbacks of both teams, you know, so we don't know who's going to win the game, but we know this guy can't play in the game. So let's give him the MOP, you know, and that's the about, I always kid Kerry Joseph about that. So they snubbed me out on that one. And, uh, and you uh, and then I didn't get to play in the game, and you guys won. So we always kid about it. The funny thing also was that that night at the awards banquet, Henry Burris, you guys remember, was the ex who he was the individual who presented the award. And when he opened up the when he opened up the envelope, he kept going, and he was playing around with the cub because it was Carrie or Kevin. And so we were all like edge of our seat trying to figure out what he was going to say. So he, he did that when he played that up, like really, really good. Um, and eventually he said, Carrie Joseph. So 
But it was, like I said, it was a great time. Um, I got to experience that, like I said, with my wife and family and everybody being there and being able to see that. So. No, it's sometimes these things happen. Like you said, you're you're still trying to look for the reason, and I'm I'm sure a lot of Winnipeg, Winnipeg folks back <laughs> yeah, then were like, yeah. they want to know but the I, reason too. So, <laughs> too right, yeah. And then you're not kid about. We kid about it all the time. It's it's cool to to be able to kid about that kind of stuff. But um, you know, Winnipeg, maybe and maybe that's what it is. Maybe this, I had to go through that, and this is what I'm gonna tell myself right now. I had to go through that for Winnipeg to do that little what three P, right? So that's mm-hmm. where Winnipeg got back for it. That's you know, that's, so I have I indirectly have a little bit to do with those championships that Winnipeg just won. <laughs> no, that's it. Clevin, Kevin Glenn walked so yeah, that Zach Claros could run. That, that's how we'll say. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> now, with being part of Winnipeg and part of Saskatchewan, I mean, you you've seen the Labor Day Classic from both ends of the spectrum. Uh, tell us how. Uh, tell us what it's like as a player. To see it from both sides, like to see it from the Saskatchewan side and from the Winnipeg side. Oh man, it's awesome, man! From the Saskatchewan side, especially with the game being in Regina, um, the build up all week to that game. I mean, it. I mean, it just felt like that old school college rivalry, you know, um, where all week uh, there's there's people in the street, there's people in restaurants, you know, just at practice. Uh, the staff that 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 works for the organization it's just it's just so uh the build up is so amplified you know that week of of labor day and the and the thing is is that you don't play the game until Sunday you know so you got a long week of practice like i said and interviews and just different things that you're doing to build up to that to that game on sunday it was it it it's 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 a great feeling as a player. And being in Regina and playing for the for the Rough Riders. Now, on the other hand, opposite, being playing in Winnipeg and having to, you know, having to visit or play as an opponent in that environment is not all that great. It's probably one of the worst, you know, because that's the that's the day that that when they talk about the 13th man, that's when it really is very very prevalent. You know, that's where you can really tell. You talking time counts offside penalties because the crowd's so loud, you know, where you can't even necessarily hear the person that's standing next to you because it's so loud, you know, and, um, and it's not necessarily all just in the game because there are opportunities. There was opportunities where as Winnipeg, we would travel a day or two early um, and basically have to sleep in the hotel where they're partying all night up and down the street. So it's hard for you to even get sleep the night before the game. You know, I've been in situations where they would have like security on the floors that we stayed on in the hotel, so that Saskatchewan Rough Rider fans wouldn't, uh, you know, bother the Winnipeg, you know, Blue Bombers because they know where you're staying, you know. But they would have, you know, security on the on the on the right outside the elevator, so that people, you know, the people that didn't have key, you know, that didn't have rooms on that floor couldn't get on that floor to mess with the players and kind of stuff. So. It was it was it was a it was a great atmosphere as a rough rider being in Regina on that, that Labor Day week in that game. You know, that uh just the excitement that went into everything, you know, and the build up was just awesome. You know, but playing in Winnipeg and going there it was kinda of like, man, we're going into a very hostile environment. No, where was anyone giving you like like let's say you if you were playing for Winnipeg and you go to Regina, like how bad were people giving you the gears as far as that goes and vice versa? Like when you were a rider 
and you walk into Winnipeg, like how was it like just the, I won't say necessarily hostile, but would you say it was more of a, you know, just people trying to get under your skin or maybe even trying to light a fire under you? More so get under your skin. It was all in friendly, you know, friendly fun. You, you, we, you understood like you're not going to come in here with a different color jersey and they're going to root for you. Now, the older that I got, the more years that I had put into the league, then you would see that because then you would see people in the stands with the opposite team jersey, but it's actually your jersey with your name and number on the back. So when I would go back in 2017 to play in Winnipeg, you would see Kevin Glenn Bomber jersey, you know, the old school Kevin Glenn Bomber jersey. So uh, so that's when you get that. And, but that's, I think, over time, you gain those fans start to, they start to like they start to love you and, and respect you as as a person because they have gotten to know you now. So it's more so, hey, yeah, we're rooting for the bombers, but we still want to see Glenn succeed, you know. And that's kind of how I took it as the years as the years went on. But I mean, initially, you would go. I mean, they would get they they would get they would try to get under your skin, man. I mean, the, they would they would say all kind of things, you know. I think <laughs> Hamilton is probably the best as far as like uh, one liners. Um, with with players and like last names because that's all they see when you know when you play that Ivory Wind Stadium the old one with the dugout you know guys would just hate to stand out right out right outside the dugout with their backs to the fans because they would just they would just destroy you with like your last, with stuff about your last name and all that kind of stuff so it was kind of like out of sight out of mind we would all just literally go sit in the dugout because. If they didn't see your back of your jersey, they wouldn't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah, like it was. But it, like at, at the end of the day, and that's that's why I think like can, like can, CFL fans, Canadian football fans, are like are, are some of the best fans. Um, and it's because across across the country, and it's because I think they CFL players are so accessible. That they get to they get to meet the, the the guy outside of the journey, you know, to where a lot of times here in the U.S. I mean, when you're dealing with the NFL, a lot of these fans don't get to meet the guy outside the jersey. You know, they only see him on Sunday in that jersey. It's very hard for them to be to, for those guys to be accessible, you know, unless they have a son and they play for a little league team and that guy's around. But I mean, they don't. They people don't get to see you know, NFL players in that kind of light a lot, I think. So um, it's cool when, when you can kind of build those relationships with some of the fans. Now you get some crazy fans that just, you know, they're just, they're just crazy fans, you know, but you do get a lot of fans across the, the majority of the fans across Canada are those fans that, you know, they, they, they see you for, you know, the person that you are outside the Jersey too. So they kind of, it gives them a different type of perspective. I think when they watch you play and see you play and do interviews and um, and know that you know you kind of know what you're you're doing you know even if you even if you're on the opposite team per se. Mm-hmm. Did you? Um, I know we have a couple more teams obviously, but ever in your career, Kevin, did you ever meet up with a fan for dinner? Just um, you know, just no, that. We, I did it. Yeah, so we did. I actually did a um. So we did Winnipeg 2006. The breakup was in Winnipeg 2006. I was in Winnipeg, and we did like a um, a friend of mine at the time. She ran um, the foundation, and she did like kind of a. We did this promotion to where people could enter the draw and enter the raffle, and they actually got a a dinner with myself. It was me and. Uh, at the time, I think it was me and Keith Stokes. 
but fans and we got to and they got a chance to sit with us at the at the Great Cup at the game. Oh, okay. So we had tickets with these fans. The fans wanted to enter the drawing. They won the drawing. Um, it was just, it was a husband and wife, and we all four of us went out to dinner before the game. Got to take pictures and sign autographs and all that stuff, and then we actually went to, you know went and sat in the stand at the game together. Hmm. Okay, that's cool. So yeah, um, yeah. Um, there's a couple other times um, where you would just see fans out, um, and they would come by the table and chat and chat at times. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think other than that, like I was just went out. Not with just a fan that I didn't. Yeah, not necessarily. Where it was just a fan that I didn't actually know. That was the only situation that one time in Winnipeg at the Great Cup. Right. Okay. Um, and we did that. Okay. Now, now, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, obviously, obviously, you've had a great career, you know, with the Bombers and stuff like that. The first time you were with them, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't '09 the first time when you were actually released as a pro before you were picked up by Hamilton? Yep. What? Uh, mm-hmm. What's what was that? What went through your mind? I mean, you weren't you you weren't teamless for long before Hamilton signed you, but what was it like going through being released for the very first time as a pro? Um, that was kind of, I mean, that was kind of humbling because it was at a point where, um, you know, I had, I had had some success and then getting released. It was, but it was one of those situations where it was kind of like, I kind of knew the league. I kind of knew, I kind of knew that there was other places or other opportunities um, for me to play mm-hmm. per se. Mm-hmm. So, I was kind of in a headspace to where it was kind of like, like re- it was one of those like, like release me. I I don't care because I know I'll go find somewhere else. Yeah, you know, and it and I and it because it got to a point to where they tried to restructure the contract in Winnipeg at the time. New GM, new head coach, head coach was the GM uh, at that point. I was kind of like, I know this isn't going to work. Um, hadn't even really talked to the guy, just heard him do interviews at the time. And it was, I was at a point to kind of like, I mean, if you don't, if you don't release me, you got to pay me. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and release me because I'll just get it from, I'll just get it from another team. So, but it was a humbling situation because that was, it was that time where it was kind of like, you know, like, hey, this is the first time you've ever been released. Like, this, this could be it. Mm-hmm. You know, what if another team? Those, those kind of things, I always, put myself or always think about worst case scenarios. Worst case scenarios, what if a team doesn't, you know, offer you what you think you you're worth? Are you gonna take less? Or are you just you know, are you gonna take the opportunity, you know, because you know your worth and what you well, you know what you can actually do and you just gotta go out and prove it. So right. I was a little I was more confident in, you know, how how my situation would end up if I got released. But it, at the end of the day it's still set in the back of my mind like Man, and the, the other thing was the reason why is because my son was being born also. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like one of those things where, hey, if this is it, it is it. I got a son on the way. I got bigger and bigger and better things. You know, like I'm about to have, a, I'm about to be a dad. Yeah. You know, so, um, but like I said, the Lord worked out. Lord worked it out. And I had a son that was being born in Detroit and he ended up putting me closer to home, closer to my son. That's true. You know, at the time. You know, so every like I said, everything happens for a reason, and you know, I never questioned, uh, you know, how my career ended up or how it went because I know that there were situations that I was supposed to go to Hamilton in 2009. Like I said, because my son was being born, right, it was closer to home. I I got it like my family at that time. It was 
my family was able to to help my wife, you know, with the newborn and all that kind of stuff. So I was supposed to be in Hamilton in 2009. Talk about your time in Hamilton because obviously it leads again. You you now haven't you've now ticked off another team that you've played for in the CFL. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, talk about talk about your time in Hamilton. Yeah, my time in Hamilton was a, that was a that was a revenge tour type thing. That was the, the, the get back. It was I was that was a that was a lot. That's what was on my mind, you know, when I was in Hamilton was the was the get back. It was like I'm I'm going after Winnipeg and Saskatchewan. Whenever I play either of those teams, then I'm 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 gonna show them what they're missing. Mm-hmm. You know, it was one of those things like if I this would have never happened to me, you know, in Winnipeg because Saskatchewan should have kept me, you know. So, but but you know that's just the competitiveness, you know, that was flowing in my blood at the time. Um, but Hamilton was a very good. Uh, I had a very good stay, very good time in Hamilton, man. Like I said, at that point, now you got the QEW. You can you can get to Toronto, up to Toronto. You can stay in you know Hamilton. They had so much to do. We we took trips to Buffalo, Niagara Falls. It was kind of like like now this is a lot to do. You know, there's there's other things outside of football that you can kind of uh, you know when when there's time to get your mind off of football and relax. There's a lot of things to do there, which you don't you don't you don't you don't have to go too you don't have to go too far because everything is within an hour and 15 minutes away from each other, an hour, 45 minutes yeah, to an hour away from each other. So a um, little bit more my speed of what I grew up in as far as the city is concerned. You know, so it was, a, you know, uh, like, like I said, closer to home when I wanted to take a trip to Detroit, see family and, uh, you know, see my high school coach, you know, I, I, could, I could take a two and a half, three hour drive, you know, just four or one and get home. So, uh, it was a, it was one of those things where it was kind of like, all right, this is this is where I'm going to be for the next ten years. Mm-hmm. You know, I can see myself here in Hamilton. I mean, at that time, me and my wife, we had even you know decided that we were going to move into the um, the Canadian re- residency thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, in 2011. You know, I was there for nine, ten, and eleven, and we decided, hey, we've been here. You know, we could sell our house back in the U.S. and we just moved to Canada, like. I could see myself being in, you know, being in Ham- Hamilton. We moved up into Ancaster. Um, so Hamilton was that, Hamilton was that spot, like you said, like where it was kind of like, okay, I can see myself, like I said, I can see myself with this one team for some years to come. Right. Was it, you know, if everything, if everything goes right. So Was it tough going, and I, yeah. I, I rarely come across a quarterback that I've been able to ask when it comes to having to deal with being a, a two quarterback system, you know, fans will say either way, whether there's a good thing or a bad thing, you know, you'd rather have a starter who would be the guy versus a, a, a guy one, a guy a and a guy B. How, how hard was it to do that in, in, in 11? Cause I think you shared, you know, you're, you're basically were a, a, a two quarterback system. I think for portions of that season where you're sharing snaps with Quentin Porter. Mm-hmm. We were sharing steps more so in nine, nine. Mm-hmm. Um, eleven, we weren't really sharing snaps. Okay. That's when I had in in eleven. We were in eleven. I was pretty much. I think ten and eleven. I had pretty much solidified myself as a starter. Okay. We would just they just put in like gold. Like we was doing like the short yards package thing with Quentin at the time. That's when we started doing the short yardage package stuff. Okay. When they would bring the, the, the next the backup quarterback in and have all these different short yardage back. 
but nine was the year that we actually kind of like, it was like the two system, like, you know, Clinton would start. And then if he did bad, then I would go in and play and then he would start and then I would go in and play. And um, it was, it was one of those situations where it was kind of like, you know, it was kind of one of those, like I had to, I, I, I had to prove myself, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of other things that went into me signing there. Like, yeah, it was like, Hey, you know, we want to, want to look at Clinton as being the starter, but we feel as though that you're, you know, a very experienced guy and you're like a one B like he's our one A. You're, you're like our one B. Right. You know, and I, Marcel Belfay, we had had history in, in Saskatchewan before. So, you know, before I even signed, I, you know, went up and talked to him and everything. We went out to, lunch um and you know that's what he told me i mean but at the end of the day it was kind of one of those things where i knew that teams needed two quarterbacks right there's a possibility that one guy could get hurt and the other guy's gonna have to play right away because it happened to me in other situations so you know with that being said i was like okay i'll take the i'll take the challenge at the end of the day because there's other pros that went along with me signing in hamilton like i said my son's being born i'm closer to home my family can help out with the kid. When I need to get to the, when I need to get home, I can get home. Like it was just all that played into me signing in Hamilton. Right. And I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I got a. At the end of the day, you know, contract negotiation plays a big part. And I think Bob Obilovich was a was a GM at the time. And at times it, it was that first contract. It was a little tough, but I got what I kind of wanted at the end of the day. Uh, a little bit more playing time bonus because. Um, it was one of those like I had to play in order to make the money, but when I got on the field, I showed what I could do, so I made the money. Does does being uh, being a you know you've been basically been a starter for most of your career at this point? Did, was it tough being a one A or a one B? I mean, mm-hmm. how does it how does it for a starting quarterback does it affect you in any way? No, not, I mean it didn't for me um, per se at the time because. I mean, I, I just I just knew at some point I was going to play. Right. My biggest thing was making sure that I was prepared to play when I got that opportunity. Yeah. I didn't want to necessarily, you know, give it away. I didn't want to be, you know, and like I said, I, I, I went through that before, you know, even in Saskatchewan mm-hmm. um, to where, you know, you have in your mind, oh, I should be playing, but you're not. It's like, don't worry about that. Worry about making sure that when you do get the opportunity that you take advantage of it. And mm-hmm. that's why I was a little bit more mature when I got to Hamilton to be in that kind of situation. Right. You know, I had, I had a wife at the time. I had a son on the way. So I was a little bit more mature. It wasn't just me that I was worried about. Mm-hmm. Type of thing. Okay. You know, I had other people in my life that I was, you know, taking care of or, or had to just, I had to consider their feelings and their situation along with mine at the time. So it wasn't really that, yeah, it wasn't tough. Cause it was one of those things where I kind of knew like, Hey, I'm going to play. Yeah. You know, the football guys are out there for a reason. And that's, I think that was the, like when Winnipeg, me going in, I think it was against Winnipeg. And like when they came to Hamilton that year and we beat them, I uh, went in and played well. And it's kind of like, man, like, you know, the football guys, they're going to they're gonna look out, you know, <laughs> for, the, for, for, for the, the, the right side of the coin at times. Well, I, I think like elephants, quarterbacks never forget, right? Most football players never forget, yeah, especially yeah. if something if they feel that they've been slighted. So that's <laughs> oh, most definitely, <laughs> most definitely, yeah. We don't we don't ever forget. You always know, just like yeah, that's the coach that 
you know, didn't pick me in a draft. <laughs> so you're going to make sure that you play well against that team, you know? Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> For sure. Now, I, you know, at least this time around in 2012, you weren't released. You were traded. I mean, it's, I think it's the third time you've been traded in your career. What, uh, I mean, yes, you went to Calgary. I mean, it's obviously they're a powerhouse in the CFL. What, um, what were your thoughts when you told that you had been traded? Now, it was in the off season. You know, it was in January that you were traded. So it was, you know, wasn't right mm-hmm. before training camp. But what, what was the reaction when you found out that you were being traded um, for basic, well, for, for, for Henry Burris? For basically in reverse, they were literally like flop team. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was one. I was surprised, um, and then it was kind of like, man, here we go again, going back all the way out west. <laughs> <laughs> and and at the time, my daughter was being born in two thousand. She was born in April of two thousand twelve. So this happened in January. Yeah. And at the time, we were living in we were living in in Hamilton, and my wife said, "Well, I'll tell you this." I'm not moving all the way out west pregnant. We got to go back to this. I got to be around family with this, you know, with this pregnancy. So we ended up moving back to Michigan, um, back to Detroit area um, in 2012. And then, uh, but it was just one of those things where I didn't know what to expect. Um, I heard a lot of people talk about like Huff Mango was some, was like, you know, he's a difficult coach to play for at times because he, he's very, you know, uh, animated at times and he's very opinionated because he played the position and, you know, he's coaching the NFL, you know, so I had, but he, but then they said, but he's a great coach. He's a great coach. So it was kind of one of those things where like, I mean, like make your mind up at the time, you Mm -hmm. know, but I do. And I mean, when I got out there, um, it was, it was like a, it was like a well-oiled machine as far as like what they had going on, you know, and, um, and it just, it, it was just, it was just a, it was just different. It was just, a, I think, a different atmosphere. Um, the, the team itself, I think, uh, I think it was one of those things where they was, where they, they, they won so much, they expected to win. You mm. could, you could, you could feel it in the, in the organization. Right. You know, I think it was like when I got to Hamilton in 2009, it was one of those things where they were trying to get back to winning. Right. You know, they had did it for years in the 90s and, now they're trying to get back to it, so you you could just feel like like they try things to where when you got the calories kind of like we know the formula. Mm-hmm. You just got to come in here. And you just got to do what we. Just you got to you got to do the formula because we already know the formula. So you got to buy into the formula. You buy into the formula, you'll be successful like that. And I mean that's kind of what happened. I went into the situation and uh, like I said, I was at the time. Uh, I think they were talking. They were saying they wanted to go with Drew Tate. So I had to play the backup role at the time, but like in, my, like in the back of my mind, I'm like, I'm gonna play. I, I, it's happened in every situation. And then there was a little joke going around, like, "Oh, if Kevin's the backup, whoever the starter is is going to get hurt because he's going to play." <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it was like starting quarterbacks did not want teams to hire to like to trade for me or to sign me because they were like, "Oh shit!" Now I'm, I'm sorry. I'm Here we go. Now I'm about to get hurt. Now that Kevin Glenn's on the team, if he's going to play, and Drew Tate gets hurt, and I got to play. <laughs> and you got to start. So, you got to start in the Grey Cup too. And you got to start in the Grey Cup, right? So 2012, first year in there, first year in Calgary. You know, and we started out a little. We started out a little slow, um, but got got on track, and I started to you know get a little rapport with some of the receivers and stuff. Because um, it takes a little time to figure guys out, and dude, from there we you know we went we went going and. 
we get to the breakup and I mean to this day those those guys Chris Jones did his did a did a good job at I mean he was in Calgary before but I mean he did a good job of figuring out what our past run keys were as far as offensive linemen and they were keying on that kind of stuff. It was times in the game where before I even like start my cadence, these guys were pointing and running and you know, dropping back. Pass, pass, pass. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking to myself, how do they know it's the pass right now? You know, so but I got a chance to play in the Great Cup. Um, like I said, it was a good experience. Um, you know, upset we didn't win, but you know, I, I still would you know, like I tell people, I would still win. I wouldn't trade I wouldn't trade my career for a Great Cup win. But then I said you could have won one Great Cup, but you trade everything that you accomplished in the CFL. And nope, you wouldn't even have to ask me twice. Yeah. Wow. Well, nobody can take away from you well, either, though, Kevin. That you know, when they talk about the hundredth Great Cup, you're you're there as being one of the starters. So I mean, it's exactly you're you're still a part of history. That's and the main the, thing. And the route, exactly part of history, and the the, the travel to the Great Cup, like how we got there. Mm-hmm. You know, with. Tate going back, him getting the start. We beat Saskatchewan and him going back down, and he have to go back in and win in BC mm-hmm. against a very, very good team. Yep. Who some people have probably picked to win it all that year. Yep. Um, wow. You know, I, so. I gotta, I gotta ask because this is this is one of the things that No Cliff and I were talking about before that we wanted to ask you about. No Cliff will talk about BC, et cetera, going forward. But talk, talk about the Ottawa. Talk up, talk about that CFL expansion draft in 2013. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people who people who may not remember the, the that, Ottawa's Ottawa was coming into the I league. I would just say, yeah, Ottawa would just say that because that's the one that's going to be left to the to the book. Yes, sir. I would just say that the Ottawa situation. I was I was drafted I was drafted in the the expansion draft mm-hmm. and after I was drafted in the expansion draft I was traded to BC. <laughs> um, after they signed yeah after they signed Henry Burr. right but everything in between that will have to be left to the book okay <laughs> but but I do have to ask so and, and I'm very thankful that this or what this yeah, po- what question yeah I, what question do you want me to, to answer though first well the, the first a, a statement I'm glad this isn't a podcast based on your career as an Argonaut and a red black because it'd be a very short <laughs> podcast <laughs> exactly we're, we're talking like exactly. a five it minute would be a very very short yeah, it would be a very short so far so yeah that that whole six Hold on, December, December. It's March. December, I think January, it was March. Right? I think December, April, March, May. No, the, the 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 actual draft was in December. Yeah, but I'm saying it from your whole so December, period, and from... I didn't get yeah, and I didn't I didn't get traded until May. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yep. I, I didn't get traded until a week before training camp. Because mm. there was a there was a there was a there was a stall period. Period. I will just tell you this: there was a stall period where. At the time, uh, the GM that was there was basically like, "Well, if you don't, if you don't come, you don't, you know, you don't. If you don't come, you they'll suspend you and you won't get paid." And I said, "Oh well, okay." <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was one of those where, yeah, it was it was a point. It was that was a point to where uh, I'll give you this. It was a point where we was. Basically, it was a staring contest to see who blinked first. Right, and I know you. I know you won't say it, but I'll just say we're not going to mention any Marshall Desjardins names. Um, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it, yeah, but the book, the book will, the book will 
Well, Luke will have everything in it about that situation, but I don't want to get too much out I about that. One, but gotta, there, there has to be a reason for for a lot of people to say, "Hey, I want to buy this book to see exactly what happened," mm-hmm. nope, or to nope. hear, you know, to hear, to hear exactly what happened. Yep. So, but so it what is a, it? Was a staring match to see who blinked first. I'll so say that much. So it, it it makes me laugh. Like Henry Burris has been a big part of your CFL career, whether you wanted him to be or not. <laughs> Like yes, exactly. Like, are you guys yeah. cool? Like, like, like do you, do you, you don't have oh. heat over any of this, do you? Like, you guys are okay, right? Oh no! Oh yeah, we are definitely we're friends. We still talk to this day. Uh, I want to say the last time I talked to Henry, did we talked on text? Uh, maybe about maybe it's been probably about three four months. What's this? This is this is probably back in probably January. We probably I think we talked, but yeah. So we've. Uh, we always we've always kept in touch. Even I mean after that, before that, I mean when we were together in Saskatchewan, ever since then we've all we've always kept in touch, man. And I think it's a I mean it, it's I guess it's one of those things I think because the respect level um, that we both have for each other, we've both gone through some similar things as far as professional sports is concerned, and yeah, you know, uh, and. I think like you just you know you just you just have mutual respect for each other when that when that kind of stuff happens, mm-hmm. um, especially you know and uh, I mean I'm not gonna shy away from it, especially you know being a black quarterback at times in professional sports you you relate to each other in different ways you know and uh, uh, so we've always yeah we've always you know kept in touch kept in contact you know congratulated each other on different things and. Um, you know, he knows my family. I know his family type thing. So it's been all, it's been all good. Like we, yeah, that was, it was never anything I think between the two of us as far as any of that's concerned. Like even at, in, in Saskatchewan, the Calgary Hamilton trade or even the Ottawa. Right. So, so it, it, well, he has been like, he, he has been part of the, the, like the Kevin Glenn story. He's been one of those guys that has like found his way into the Kevin Glenn story. Oh, multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> so is he going to write the foreword for your book? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe I can get him to do that. Yeah, that would be amazing. I mean, we, were, we were both, yeah, look, we were both, we were both brought in. Um, I think by the same GM, like Roy Shivers. So it's like it's a lot of stuff in common, you know. Mm-hmm. When you start to think about, you know, our careers, that's amazing. So pre, so pre, pre, uh, uh, pre buy the book now. It hasn't been written yet, but you can still pre, pre, you know, <laughs> it will be on Amazon sooner or later. Um, sooner or later, right? Sooner or later. But you know what? It's funny. The whole thing, the whole, I'll call it the old Ottawa debacle. It ended up being turning out very good for you in BC, though, in 2014. You know, Lule goes down. Yeah. And you end up starting 17 of the 18 regular season games. Right. And I think that, like I said, it was one of those things where it was kind of like, all right, Kevin lives on your team. Your starter is now. But to to to, to be corrected, like Lule was actually hurt. And that's kind of what I think why they traded for me. They didn't think he was going to be right for the season. Okay. So it's kind of like, hey, we, may, we, need, we need a quarterback. And like DC was probably – like I'm glad that I, you know, I'm glad I'm glad that happened. Like I'm glad all of this happened too, because you know it's going down in history as the guy that was affiliated with every team. Some people would have said, "Man, that's like I wouldn't have like, dude, like I enjoy it." 
I was able to, my, my family was able to live in all these different cities in Canada, throughout, across Canada, you know, and hang out um, with these different organizations, um, just to see. Because there's some people that don't ever get a chance to see, you know, what's out there in the world. But I was able to experience a whole lot across, you know, and live in every major city across Canada. And BC probably was the best as far as living is concerned. Mm-hmm. It is a great, great, great place to live, I think, with the weather and just everything that's going on. Yeah. Better or worse than Detroit? Mm, probably better. When you talk about the, the, the weather, the weather, the food, um, I wouldn't necessarily say all the food, but seafood <laughs> um, in Vancouver, it, it, it's pretty good. I mean, my wife, has, my wife has said it. Like, if there was one place that we would move to right now, and it had to be like, if they said you had to move to Canada right now, where would you go? Vancouver would be her first. That would be her answer. Oh, so if the if a coaching position happens to come up with the BC Lions, uh, they, they should be giving Kevin Dillon a phone call, right? Mm, that possibly. That could, that could possibly work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, All right. All right, let, let's get to what the, the listeners of this podcast are talking about, wanting to hear about now from you. Your time as a Montreal Alouette. But I need you to set this up, Cliff, because you know I have some questions for Kevin about this because I don't know if he knows the, the the history note that I'm about to throw at him, but you have to at least start. You know, he started off in Saskatchewan in 15, but he was traded at the deadline to the Alouettes in October of that same season. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and that, may have been, that may have been the craziest season in my like the most unusual mm-hmm. season in my in my in my career, and that that's why I started in Saskatchewan. Fifteen, I think they got rid of. Uh, I think they got rid of Brendan Tannen first as as the head coach. Oh no, no, they might. I mean, GM. No, they might have got rid of Corey Chamberlain, Corey Chamberlain first yeah. as the head coach. Yep. Or they might have got rid of them both at the same time, and then Jeremy Day ended up being the acting GM, which who was my center. Who's another guy that I forgot to talk about my stay in Saskatchewan because he was he was also one of the guys that literally would just just put me in the car and we would just drive around Saskatchewan. I was like I was like the third wheel with him and his wife right now, Dana. Like I was the third wheel. They would I would he was when they would go driving around, I'd be sitting in the back seat and they'd be like, Let's go to lunch. I'm like, Jeremy, you're with your girlfriend at the time. Like, I don't I don't want a third wheel. Just be quiet, just come eat lunch with us. <laughs> um, and so, but he was the center, and you know that center quarterback relationship was pretty. You know, had to be had to be right. Mm-hmm. But Jeremy ended up being the the GM that year, and like you said, we were playing in Hamilton, and I got pulled out of the game halftime, and they put somebody else in, Brett Smith, I think at the time. And I'm thinking, why did I get pulled out? And I oh, just want to see. We want to see Brett. We want to see Brett Smith, and then like, okay, don't get it, but whatever. So then part of me is like, I know Dre, I've been in the league long enough. I know trade deadline's coming up. Trap of the game. I go to Jeremy. Hey, Jeremy, am I getting traded? No, 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 no. There's nothing on the table or whatever. And like, I can't say, I can't say that the team isn't going to do anything. But right now, there's nothing on the table. There's nothing, 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 nothing. Nothing's going on. Okay, well, we're on a bye that week. So we're playing Hamilton. So instead of me flying back to Saskatchewan, I drive back home because my wife comes to the game. So I drive back home with family to Detroit. I'm at Detroit on the bye week. We might have played on a Saturday, Sunday night. I get a call. 
uh, Jeremy, hey, um, I think we made a deal and we're looking at trading you to Montreal. I just asked you 24 hours ago, was I getting traded? He, you said no. Oh, he said that this was something that, you know, that just kind of came up. So Jeremy being who he is, I believe him. You know, he wasn't going to, you know, steer me wrong. Right. Um, really, really good friend. So uh, Montreal, late, late for the trade deadline, said, hey, we need to try to get him and get a quarterback. And they did the, they did the, the trade thing. When I told my wife that, she was like, oh, so you're basically going to Montreal after the bye week? I said, no, they want me there Tuesday because they have a game on Thursday that they want me to play. <laughs> here's the here's she the said, here's the nugget I want to hit you with, by the way. Here's the nugget. When you came to Montreal, okay, you became the first quarterback in the CFL to start against the same opponent in consecutive weeks. Yep. Week, exactly. Week prior Hamilton. We playing, yep. This week, Hamilton. <laughs> And then turn around next week, Hamilton. Yeah. So I, yep, I played two games start, two games versus Hamilton. With it's two different teams. Exactly. Two different teams. It's two, with two different teams. Yeah. So I'm the only quarterback in CFL history to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, that's a nugget. I got another one. There you got another yeah. one. Now no I. One, no one's going I'm telling you, they need to make Jeopardy, Jeopardy questions out of this. Oh, well, yeah. I remember the, the, the TSN actually, because what's funny is I know the. The CFL's, uh, you know, stat guru Steve Daniel quite well, and I sent him this nugget. I said, "You got to confirm this." He confirmed it, and I think TSN actually put it out that week on the broadcast. So okay. it, it's not, it's not like nobody, know, nobody yeah. knew. It's like they nobody knew. I, I, didn't, I, had, I didn't know until until I yeah yeah I had to point it out to them. But now I, I interrupted you. What what did your wife say when you told them that you were going the same week? To Montreal. She said, huh, I, I guess this is what I signed up for professional <laughs> sports, marrying the quarterback. <laughs> so, but yeah, it, it worked, it worked out because I mean, there was some, there was some perks as far as that, as far as the trade and how we worked it out. That will be, that'll be in the book too. Oh, I want to know. There's, yeah. There's a, yeah, there was, there was a significant thing that like a couple things that happened that year, but I got to keep that one for the book too. Cause there's some, Oh, I get it. It's some, it's some stuff. Like, yeah, but that, like, my wife was like, hey, I mean, that's what we got to do. Yeah. And and then it was like, that's when it was like, Montreal, like, okay, like, this is great. Like, this is one of the, you know, I like Montreal. You know, the smoked meat sandwiches and, you know, the uh, just the different, the different spots to eat, walking up and down the streets. And it was just like, Montreal is nice. Um, exactly. Now, I have to ask know, you, though. So, how, as a quarterback, now we've seen this happen before in Montreal recently, and everybody will remember how it occurred with Johnny Menzel. But how is it, how did you explain the playbook? You you came in on a, on a what? On a Monday? Tuesday. On a Tuesday. I, no, I got there on a Tuesday. And you're starting, so on, a, and on, you're a starting on a Thursday. I, listen, I'm, I, I flew in on a Tuesday. Got in there. We did the whole press conference thing. Yeah. Um, I think we probably, we went and I got like the physical, met the doctors downtown, got the physical, did the press conference thing. They were practicing at the time. Um, so I didn't go to that practice. Uh, after practice, I went, met with Calvillo, um, you know, to try to, you know, to, to figure out, you know, what they were doing as far as offense is concerned and all that. Um, yeah, because he was OC, OC at the tape. time, if I remember correctly. Yep, it, exactly. Um, 
turned around uh, Wednesday. Wednesday's a walkthrough. So <laughs> literally went early morning, started going over the, the plays again. He's telling me what's what and how they formation. And was it, what is this call? What is this formation? What is this play? We're just going over play the playbook and the game plan for that week. And I, Wednesday's a walkthrough. So we walked through a bunch of stuff and Thursday I played. So never, I didn't get a, I didn't get a, like a, a live rep until game day. This was all mental and everything and just, until like, until actually game day. So how, on the three seasons and stuff. So, how many total plays did you have available to you that day? Because um, remember now, know, now it's the was, Kevin I mean, Glenn was, package. Was, so yeah, like so it was, it was quite a few, it was quite a few plays, and and basically it was kind of like kind of how we went over it. Like in with the CFL, there's a lot of similar concepts. The biggest thing is like like the verbiage. Mm-hmm. So it's more so what each team calls it, and that's the tough part. I mean, because you play football, you play football long enough to know how to read a dig route, right? how to read an out route, a curl route. Like, you know that it's basically how a team's marrying this up and packaging it together to get it to the player that's on the field. So when you're telling me something, I got to now remember. So the memory, your memory bank is what, and when you've been hearing something for, you know, four or five months in one place, mm-hmm. and to turn around after a week of hearing this and three days later hearing it from somebody else, a whole different set of, you know, words. It's, I mean, it's tough. So I had a lot of help from the guys in the, um, in the huddle as far as calling the plays and understanding. I'm like, hey, you know, is that the big concept? They're like, yeah, the big concept. Okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. I got it. You know, so we're breaking the huddle and, you know, now I'm just trying to, you know, go out and the time, like play football, but it was tough, especially playing the, the good thing was playing the same team. Mm-hmm back-to-back because I had already game plan from the week before. But, you know, they do you do different things versus different teams. Yeah. So as far as a, a core package of what, what Hamilton was trying to do at times, I, I kind of knew kind of what they were doing. They had a certain a certain kind of blitz that when they lined up Simone, you know, up in, the, up in the line in a certain gap, he was always bailing to this side of the field type thing. So that kind of stuff helped because I had already had the week before. But it was still tough, like, being out there with a whole new playbook, same, you know, same routes that I've been throwing, but the whole new verbiage of right. words and concepts and how they actually put it together type thing. I don't think you ever expected though, Kevin, that you would, that, you know, you're a pro football player for, you know, the, the X amount of years that you had been at that point, that this would be the first time that you'd actually play Sandlot football. You know what I mean? It's exactly. And that's, yep, exactly. That was when it was like, Hey, so now like athletic ability and, just go out and get it done. Has to has to play a part right now because it's, it's not not a lot of structure. Yeah. After you know two days of two days of like uh, watching film and then going out to play. That's just mind boggling, man. That just, it, it just yeah. I remember when the whole thing was and that, I found that I was like, how how? <laughs> I mean, that, and that that was my thing. I was like, are you serious? Like they really? And I talked to um, Jim at the time and. Uh, and it was, it was just like, yeah. Hey, pr- props to you, I, Kevin. I, man. I wanted, like, <laughs> we, we want you to play. Like, I'm like, okay, so we're, I'm playing on Thursday. <laughs> wow. I mean, like you said, the competitiveness in you is like, mm-hmm. let's see if we can, let's see if I can do this. Let's yeah. Do this, you know, so uh, we went out. We didn't win the game, but it was, I mean, we went out, I went out and played. Like, I, 
I just don't remember what I what it was what I was feeling like as a fan. You know, I, I'm trying to remember what it was. I, I just thought, like, right. I, you know, you know as, a, as a fan, you probably was like, "Are we really about to do this?" Yeah, yeah I, was, I was like, <laughs> "Is, is this the, really about is to the happen?" Te- I think is the team nuts for doing this? But then again, you coming to Montreal in your pedigree, you know, anybody who knows who knew CFL football in, in you know in 2015 knew who you were. So there, there was right. there was a, was there was confidence. I think within the fan base. Yeah. Exactly. It was confidence, I think, within the players and everything. Because they're trying to get, I think they were trying to fight for a playoff spot that year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and again, yeah. you, you were the insurance so policy. Think, did we, yeah, did we make, did we? No, did unfortunately, we yeah. That year? Oh, we no, we didn't. No, got uh, eliminated uh, the game out in Edmonton uh, where, uh, uh, unfortunately, Luc Bredergenet got hurt, uh, and unfortunately, uh, Tanner Marsh, who was the short yardage quarterback, uh, tried to score a touchdown, ended up fumbling, and that more or less, I won't say it cost of the game necessarily, but yeah. But, just, uh, yeah, I do remember that now, yes. And right. I believe uh, Noel Thorpe was uh, the acting head coach because uh, Jim Pop, who was head coach, had vertigo, so you ended up being right. uh, short. Oh, I do remember that. <laughs> You just brought back memories on that one, the vertigo. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So, uh, yeah, it, 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 yeah, it was just uh, unfortunately just the Alouettes had run out of racetrack. It was nothing to do with you, obviously. Yeah, like yeah. you, 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 if anything, right, were that yeah. that calming presence that at least, as we said, it gave Alouettes fans hope that hey, we could still do this. We could still maybe get into the playoffs. It just you know we got KG leading us. I mean that's that's got to count for something. Right. So yeah, I think the mindset at that time was okay. Just got to do the thing, and you know we're going to do it. But unfortunately, as as I said, just close, but no cigar. No cigar. You're right. Yeah. But that did lead us to 2016, and I remember that training camp for one reason. Yes, you were at that point more or less the starter of the team that year in 2016. But talk about the absolute murderer's row of quarterbacks that were behind you. I mean, you've got names like uh, Brandon Bridge, Raheem Cato, uh, Jonathan Crompton. Uh, Taj Boyd wasn't even brought into camp, and then there's this. Boyd was, Taj Boyd was there. Yeah, yeah, and then there's this like no name. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Vernon something or other. Uh, <laughs> doesn't ring a bell. Yeah, yeah some Vernon Adams <laughs> Jr. Uh, yeah. Well, that was said with Boone, tongue strictly Anthony in Boone, I think Anthony Boone was there the year before me. Yes. I mean, no, he was there the year. He was there in 2015, I think. Anthony was. They didn't bring Anthony in in 2016. Right, 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 right. So. Right. Yep. So yeah, though, and yeah, all those guys, and it, and it's funny that uh, you just build relationships. Like I still communicate with some of those guys to this day. Vernon and Bridge probably more than others, but I've talked to Todd since then. I've talked to Jonathan since then. You know, Jonathan just got head coaching job out in I think the Tennessee area. Yes. Yes. In yes, high school. Yeah. So yeah. So it was kind of like you had all those guys. You know, from the like top top-notch, top-name, you know, NCAA, Power 5 schools, and, uh, and right, and I'm the, I'm the vet on the team that's actually playing. But it was, it was a, I think it was a great experience because it was like, yeah, they used to call me the OG, uncle. They used to call me Unc, Uncle KG. So, mm-hmm. Rakeem Cato, I still talk to him to this day. Um, so, those, those guys, that was like, it was one of those things where it was, I was like, kind of like a mentor also. Kind of like I was a coach. I was like a player coach because I was also coaching them on, you know, how to be a professional and how to have a long lasting career and just things about the game that, you know, that guys that were older than me at the time taught me. 
I was going to say, was that more like a, a full circle moment for you to be able to sort of impart your wisdom of being in the league onto those young men? It, it was. It was a full circle because at that time, I think, I don't, can't remember what how old I was, but at that time, it was kind of like some of the guys on the team, was. it was starting to be like, I could be your dad type thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> being, being the age that I was at the time, because, I mean, it was kind of like, man, like, my dad was this age when I was a rookie in the league. So some of you could be like, yeah, some of you could be my son type thing. So that was a full circle moment. And, and that's, that, that, that's when that, that's when that, like you're in the locker room and like you can tell the demographics of the locker room by those different conversations. Um, because that group, that group was, that that Vernon Adams, Cato, Bridge, I mean, Todd, like all those guys in the locker room would get on each other and just the conversations that they were having in the, the debate, they would have everybody in the locker room going. But you just knew it was like, those are so, those guys are so young, you know, where who got, you know, the older guys are talking about mortgages and life insurance <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and pay, paying the premium on your, on your car insurance and all that kind of stuff. You know, I need, I need some homeowners insurance. I need to go, you know, research and quote me out some more homeowners insurance. They're going up on my bills, you know. <laughs> so, but those guys are are talking about, you know, and debating about, you know, just different uh, different throws that they can make or different players and who was the best, whether it was LeBron or Jordan. It was just, it was just at that point, like you say, it was a full circle, kind of like full circle to where it's like now I'm seeing a very different I'm seeing that line drawn in the sand to where are you on I'm on this side of the of the fence now, not that other side anymore. <laughs> uh let me tell you, like we were we were so happy to have you in Montreal. I mean, like I said, it even if you didn't get the team to the playoffs, it was the fact that you you were still that steadying force. You mm-hmm. Like I said before, you walked so that, like, I guess in this case, Vernon Adams could run. Like, that's really what it was, was you were helping to pave the way for the future in Montreal. Yep. And even though it wasn't quite maybe what you were hoping for or what you had, were brought in to do, but it's just the fact that you were able to help set something up that which in a few years would end up paying off dividends because we see what the kind of career that Vernon Adams has had now. And one can't help but wonder yep. if it was just you know, a bit of that mentorship that you would be able to provide with him was maybe what helped sort of set him on the course to becoming one of the premier quarterbacks in the CFL. I definitely think it was, you know, and I think he would, if you ask him, I think he would say too, that yes, definitely being around Kevin had something to do with him being um, where he's at today. And that's, that's the purpose. That's like the, that's your why at times um, that you're put in certain situations, you know, um, it's to help other people. We were all put on this earth to help. You know, we were all put on this earth to give. So that was that was my point of you know giving you know what I could to help. You know, and that's that's probably the one uh, the one spot like you said like could have wished things would have panned out a little bit different. Um, my kids to this day love Montreal. Like that's if you ask my kids where it was where they would want to live, it would be a toss up between Vancouver, and Montreal. They would they would. They would be they would be as eager to stay in Montreal as they would in Vancouver. They love the subway. We stayed downtown, and they would literally get up and walk the streets and ride the subways, the trains, and everything. Like they enjoyed that a lot. That's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, listen, Detroit's not that far away. You're you're always welcome to come for a visit. Oh, come on. 
Oh, not at all. Yeah, I've been meaning. We've been meaning to come. You know, the COVID thing hit for a minute and won't let nobody. But we've already we've all discussed about you know trying to make some make some trips. I want to get it to a point where uh, we do kind of a like a, a series of like games or something. Mm-hmm. You know, when they have like a game and they catch Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto type of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that'd be awesome. Coast, and then make our make our way back down to Hamilton, coming back home. So that would be pretty. It'd be pretty pretty cool to do something like that. Oh, absolutely. All right. Now, at this point in the career, uh, you obviously went back to uh, Winnipeg and Saskatchewan for a bit, but everybody in the CFL was clamoring for, okay, when's it going to happen? When is Kevin Glenn going to finally play for Edmonton? And then in 2018, the prayers was answered. Everybody who was hoping for you to be that guy, to be the guy to become the only player to be associated with all nine CFL teams, that finally happened in Edmonton. Talk to us about that era. And it did. And it came like it. There were other there were other teams on the table at the time um, as far as 2018 was concerned, as far as signing with. And Edmonton may have been the one situation where, uh, to, to me, knowing my career and knowing that, dude, every place that I went, the guy was going to start, it was going to get hurt and I was going to play. Edmonton was probably that outlier to where it was like, they probably have the guy that's not going to get hurt, you know, and Mike Riley. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what happened. But there were other teams on the table, but the, the, the fact that it was a place where I hadn't been, a lot of that played a part in it, making it, making the series kind of complete. Um, but also at the time, I also thought that uh, the team, that team uh, was kind of put together you know, to win. You know, it had some very good, you know, skilled position players, um, good offensive line. Um, I think uh, Benavides was I was with Benavides in, in D.C., so I know he was in, uh, in Edmonton at the time. Demetrius Maxey, who I played with, was a D-line coach. So I had a lot of familiar faces. Jason Moss that I had been, you know, uh, friends with, cool with. We had been caps and stuff together. Um, was the head coach. So it was kind of one of those situations where a lot of familiar faces um, to where it felt like the right situation, even though it was the series complete. And I probably would have signed there even if those familiar faces weren't there. But it was so, like I said, it was kind of like the the Hamilton situation. It was so many other things that surrounded that decision that made it easier to say, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and pick Edmonton. You know, but in the back of my mind, it was Edmonton played a part because it was like this. This is this is the last thing that you know. You know, I could definitely you know complete the cycle of all the different teams and go down in history. You know, be something that nobody ever did. Mm-hmm. You know, and but going into the situation, I just I felt, hey, this is definitely going to be same very similar situation that the car is going to get hurt that won't play, and it just so happened that he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> So like, and it was kind of like it was kind of like a you know it was kind of like the 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 right ending to the story. All the other times, all the other teams that I went to, the guy got hurt and I played, except for the last one. Go figure. I mean, also obviously too, like yep. Mike Riley is like tougher than a two dollar steak. So yeah, trying to hurt that guy is just a you know exercise in futility. <laughs> exactly, and that's where that was the thing. It was like kind of like okay, we're gonna we're gonna make this. Um, this situation is going to be right to where everybody's going to know now that Mike is like Mike can be hurt type thing. He's not 
he's not made of steel, but it didn't work out that way. The guy is really a tough, you know, tough guy. Like he's one of one of those guys that thrives off of, you know, making sure that he's in shape during the season, you know, in the off season, gets in shape in the off season to make himself be able to last those kind of hits and stuff. And he's not a he's not a small guy as far as stature is concerned either too. So you know those guys are hitting a, a bigger body per se. Mm-hmm. Do you have any uh, other than working with uh, Michael Riley and as you said a lot of uh, familiar faces uh, in Edmonton? Is there any particular memories that you have of Edmonton itself? Uh, however brief a period that was. I mean the the one the one time that I thought that I was going to actually get to play and that's the. He came down with some kind of flu cold or something, Mike did. And, you know, I literally, that was the, that was the game. It was like, okay, this is the opportunity. You know, uh, Mike is down and he's hurt. And so I practiced all week. Had a really good week of practice. And that, like, day three, he came back. It was like, like he's okay. And I was like, no, no, you you, you can go out. You can be, you'll be all right. You know, you can just sit this one out. And he was such a competitor that he didn't want to, so. I tried to I tried to con him into doing it, but he didn't do it. Um, <laughs> but that was also an opportunity. Like that was, but it was it was good too because you know it was one of those things where you know when you don't play and you're like, man, like you know you question like, do you still have it type things? You haven't been on the field in a while, I think. But you know you practice and practice, but a little different. But you know when you practice as a starter, and you get all the reps that week because um, that's kind of how the situation was. We did a lot of mental reps as backups in Edmonton to where because of the way we practiced and was very efficient, like the starter got all the reps, you know. We did a lot of the scout team stuff. Right. But um that week I got all the reps, all the one reps and you're running what we're running type thing and was successful doing it, it was kinda like, okay, yeah, I know I still got it. You know. Um the other good thing was just like the camaraderie there too. Me and uh Danny O'Brien was the was the, was the other quarterback there with three others there. We had to signal everything. That was my first year that I ever had to, like, the backup guy signaled in the play. You didn't mm-hmm. talk on the headset. So the the quarterback coach talked on the headset while we signaled all the rest of the play, while we signaled the play to the receivers. So the receivers, was, we would signal the play to the receivers while the while Moss, while the, while the quarterback was getting the play from the actual coach. Okay, okay. So... At that point, I mean, you you spent the year in Edmonton. Uh, at, at what point did you decide, okay, I've had enough, or I've done everything I feel like I could do, not just playing for all nine, or not, or being a member, I should say, of all nine teams. At, at what point did you say, okay, I've done everything I wanted to do or hoped I could do. Now it's time to call the career. What was your the moment that you decided that? I think I think not playing that last year had a little bit to do with it, um, to where it was kind of like. You know, like, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't play. I played in preseason, but didn't actually play in the game that year. And, um, or I, I might have, I didn't play. I played, I didn't start a game. I actually did play in the game. I didn't start a game that year. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of one of those things to where it was kind of like, you know, like I could see life with, I could see life without football, you know, and my kids were getting a little older. Um, I was about to turn, I was turning 40 that next summer. And so it was kind of just like, you know, this is kind of a good, a good point to exit. Like, you know, like I'm not getting pushed out the league. I'm not like going to try out and getting cut by three different teams. It's kind of like, you know, you kind of go out on your own terms type thing, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what that, that kind of played a part. Um, 
because, I mean, even after I retired, I still got calls the next two years about coming out of retirement to play. And I don't know if I actually, like, technically, I haven't literally signed retirement papers because I still haven't retired with a, with a specific team. I'm kind of debating on which team to do it with. Um, but uh, but that, that year, 2018, not actually playing kind of, like, put me in the mindset of, hey, I could, I could kind of see football. You know, I could see myself without football. Type type of type of thing, and then being me turning forty to kind of have that whole like, hey, I retired at the age of forty on my birthday, you know, like that can all kind of play up into the whole history and career of Kevin Glenn. And yes, I just talked in third person. <laughs> <laughs> well, if anyone's earned the right to do that, I would say it would be you. <laughs> <laughs> now, twenty nineteen for myself, and actually for. All the people of like we're actually part, Kevin, of the Canadian Football Podcast Network, and it was okay. decided at Grey Cup that we wanted to honor you because now that you had finally played for Edmonton, you could able to say that you were now a member of all nine CFL teams. This idea was concocted a couple of years ago about to sort of pay homage to the traveling Yagers who decided, okay, they're going to follow Yarmir Yager, the hockey player, around and. He played for several teams too. I thought, well, who better do to to celebrate to emulate would be Kevin Glenn. I mean, and once you had finally made it to Edmonton, now we were like, okay, now we can do it. Now we can go to Grey Cup and do the Wandering Glens. So we were very excited about that. And let me tell you something, Kevin. You want to talk about how much you are loved in this league at that Grey Cup in 2019? Like the Wandering Glens made their debut. All nine teams. Everybody wearing a Kevin Glenn jersey from, even though technically you didn't have a jersey in Toronto or Ottawa, but they said the hell with it. We're going to put the five on there anyways, and we're going to we're going to represent for KG. And let me tell you, man, the love that this league has for you, the fans at Grey Cup, and let's not forget, Grey Cup is where all the fans get together, right? This is where they come and they celebrate right. the Canadian Football League to see, holy crap, it's all the Kevin Glens. It was. It was awesome. It was an awesome experience. And I want to hear from you. What did you think about the Wandering Lens when you first heard about it? Dude, I was, I mean, amazed and honored initially. Like, man, like these, that's why I said, like the fans in the CFL are great. Like, man, like these guys actually did this to honor me. And then, but then when I got the backstory and found out, like it was actually an individual from each actual city. It wasn't just like fans. It wasn't just like a group of people from, you know, from Toronto that all got together. Like these individuals actually were coming from the different actual cities. And that's mm-hmm. what I was told. Um, that was, that was, like you said, that was even, that was, that was even, even better. Like it was like, wow, like I really am like, you know, supported over the, over the, over the country of Canada. And so I'm just, my biggest thing is just upset that I didn't ever, I didn't get a chance to make that 2019 Grey Cup. But I, I definitely um, have made it a point to figure out how to get the Wandering Glens together with me at a Grey Cup. It, we're going to make it happen. We're, we're going to find a way. We're I don't gonna, know how, but we're going to figure out. Yeah, but we're going to definitely, yeah, we are going to find a way to make it happen. Because like you said, I, I mean, there's even, there's, there's a bit, like I have people here and it's and it's funny because I won't say funny but some te- well we have this thing called drive at my school that I'm at where it's a fundraiser during the month of February that they raise money for tuition assistance. Mm-hmm. Well each team I mean each year they have a drive theme. 
Well, this year's theme was professional sports, and the seniors had the NFL football. Well, there's one classroom that decided, hey, we have Mr. Glenn in our school. We're going to be we're going to be the CFL, but we're going to be the wandering Glenn classroom. So that's what their their actual and I can uh, I'm going to see if I can, I can get some pictures and stuff of their, what they actually did. Um, why, you know, like they had like posters and stuff where they had like all the different jerseys up on the poster board. Um, and so that was another thing. Like, so the wandering lens is like have trickled over into the U S and now people know about them in the U S too. That's amazing. You know, actually what they're like, what they're about and how they came about and everything. So like I said, it, it, I, I will make sure that we get to a great cup and hopefully it's this one in Hamilton this year that I get to that great cup with the Wonder England and, and and we start, you know, we start something like, so every, you know, we could start some kind of thing or promotion to where, you know, we get together every great cup the Wonder England. A hundred percent. I mean, like, and that'd be like, I mean, just logistically, I mean, like, I, I guess Hamilton would be the closest. Be huge. Yeah. Closest yeah. one, but I mean, if you, yeah, you logistically and, marketing wise like it could be something huge you know for the cfl or just to create another another buzz but it 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 goes back to the the player and fan interaction at the end of the day which we talked about earlier isn't unlike no other league no it's it really is and just the fact that uh, fans literally from all over the nation are able to come together for this and fans of yours. Let's not forget. And that's, that's just it. Like the, the wandering lens, these are all people that watch. We're able to say we've watched you play for, you know, for their, for the, for the team. And now we have a chance to support you and show the love. And mm-hmm. it's, it's amazing. It is so amazing. And now you, now you got even more hype for Grey Cup in Hamilton, if you can believe that. <laughs> we, we can make this happen. We can make this happen, Kevin. My gosh, this this, this will be exciting. This will be really exciting. Really exciting. And the other thing that seems to come up when it comes to you as well as part of this, uh, this uh, infamous distinction of uh, being a member of all nine CFL teams, obviously talk has been bubbling up again about getting a 10th team in the league. Uh, mm-hmm. Would you come out of retirement if uh, somehow a 10th team comes up and they get a chance to make you a member of the team? Oh, most, yeah, most definitely. I would definitely come out of retirement, sign up papers, and then go back into retirement, yes. <laughs> However that needs to happen, it will. I will continue to keep this this tradition. I want to call it tradition. I will definitely keep it going. All right, there the you history go. history has to continue. Yeah, we got to keep it going. There you go. And we've even said, like, amongst us wandering lens, like, yeah, whatever the team is, we'll get a jersey. We'll put the five. Even if you don't play for them, even if you don't suit up or anything like that, you'll still get the five. There's no question about that. You still get the five. Yep. You get the five with the glint on the back, and we can go. And that way you can start recruiting uh, different individuals for the different teams uh, when they start adding the, the new teams. The new, the new teams. You can re- have a recruiting process for the wandering lens. There you go. All right, Kevin. I mean, now now that you're you're out of football or out of the CFL, I should say, because I know you're not completely out of football. But uh, how how has been the the post CFL life been for you? Sorry, say that again. Like cut out for a minute. Sorry. Like, now that you're you're out, you've been out of the the CFL for a couple of years now. How is life without the CFL for you? Or not without? I should say, but like post CFL. How how is how is your post CFL life? Oh, it's pretty good. You know, um, you get, I mean, you, you know, you miss the, 
a lot of guys, you miss the camaraderie in the locker room and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then, the, you know, game playing and you don't miss the training camp. Um, but it's good. It's been very, very good. You know, I had a uh, chance to, you know, get involved with my, my kids as far as their extracurricular activities are concerned. Um, they're both, you know, in the swimming, my daughter's in the volleyball. So get to, you know, participate with that. You know, I do, like I said, I do some training and coaching and it's been, it's been really good. You know, um, I think the, the best thing about it is me being able to, um, you know, offer advice and experience on certain things to the, to the youth of today and what I've actually been able to accomplish. So giving that, giving that bit of advice and, uh, and information off to the youth is probably one of the, you know, one of the biggest and also my kids as far as, you know, what they're doing as far as, uh, swimming competitive they're doing competitive swimming you know giving them some advice on you know how i would you know go about getting ready for my games and stuff and seeing my you know seeing my son kind of emulate that kind of stuff um with his with his sport i mean it's pretty cool you know so my life after you know after the cfl has been very very good has your son ever thought about football or is he like does he even want to even try to get up to your level (laughs) Yeah, he's not like he he he's not a football guy. Like he uh, he participates in like academic games. Um, uh, that's kind of like uh, like quiz bowl. It's like uh, I don't know if you guys have it. Oh, I know you have you, it up. Yeah, Canada. I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking the about. about yeah. yep. So yeah, so he's into that. He um, participates in robotics and then uh, swim. So he stayed away from the he stayed away from the football. I think it might have been just because I was a professional athlete and maybe he just, you know, didn't look at it the same way that I did, you know, going up to where I did it with my friends to where he was kind of like, my dad did that for a living. Like, eh, I'll, maybe I want to do something else. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. So I got, I'm curious, why number five? I, I know you didn't get it for all of your, uh, your mm. CFL v- stops, but uh, what was it about the number five for you? So I was number 10 in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I got to, I was 10 in high school and I was 10 in college. When I got to Saskatchewan, Dan Farthing was wearing number 10. So he was a vet receiver and there was no way I was getting that number 10. So I was like, well, what's half a 10? Five. All right, I'll just be five. And that's where the five came about. I was the oldest of five children. So that's kind of how it, you know, that's the, the logic behind it. And that's how the five came about. And so I just kind of stuck with it with it um i wore 15 in calgary because i think five was five was retired i i'm trying to think if somebody had 10 10 and five might have been retired okay at the time and so i just added 10 and five to get 15 makes total sense in calgary Mm -hmm. and then i wore number two in bc because my best friend sam young when he played in bc was number two ah okay it's a nice tribute. So, yep. Was five retired in BC, so, or was it just strictly about paying tribute to your friends? Five was retired. Yep. Louis Louis Pasaglia. Oh so yes. One of the five. So yep. So it was retired in BC. Yes, makes makes so, total yeah, so sense. BC and Calgary, the only two places that I um, that I've actually worn uh, the different you know the different numbers, BC and Calgary, and right. those are the reason why. Okay. Okay. See, there's there's always a story. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and I those mean, and those stories will have to wait until the book comes out. Damn you, Kevin! <laughs> yeah, some of them, some of them, yep, some of them, some of the stories. But there's some, there's a couple other stories that yeah, 
And then remember, there are some stories that we're just going to all take to the grave. Mm-hmm. That's true. And <laughs> while that would make for a great book, too, but yeah, I can understand why some stuff has to kind of be kept on the DL. So I, I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, you, even though such a short period of time with the Owls, obviously you made a, a huge impression on us, Kevin. You are, as you know, you're beloved in the CFL. You'll always be remembered in the CFL, and we just can't can't thank you enough for for joining us tonight. And you know, it's, I said at the beginning, it's such been a while that we've been trying to get you on, but we've enjoyed you, man. We've really enjoyed having you with us tonight. I appreciate it, man. I had a great time. You know, like I love sitting like this and doing this kind of conversation and podcast and talking about you know my time in the CFL. Um, I really appreciate you guys reaching out. Um, I'm, I'm glad we were able to connect and, you know, and get something going, you know, so hopefully we can, you have me back on to, to talk about, you know, my book when it comes out. <laughs> oh, you, you better believe it, man. Exactly. And we, if, if anything, we want, we want to be the first, we want, we want the exclusive. We I want, the, we want the deets, we want the deets, man. We want the deets. <laughs> I got you. We'll basically do that. And, and, but we, we definitely will stay in contact and connect about the wandering land. So, Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. It's a done deal. There's there's no question about it. It's yeah. not just it's a matter of just when it's gonna happen, which is November, Grey Cup. So Exactly. Yeah. That that there is now go. the goal. <laughs> uh, we gotta at least ask, uh we know you're on social, but for any of those who haven't followed you yet on social media, how will they do so, Kevin? They will at uh on Twitter, I'm at quarterback five, that's Q T E R B A C K five. And then on uh, Instagram, um, Kevin Glenn, I think, 04. Um, that's Glenn with two N's. Um, the four is, I know you're going to ask me, why not five and why the four? And the four is because it's four in my family. Okay. Okay. Again, makes sense. There, there, there's a method <laughs> See, there's to the a, madness. There's always a re- yeah, there is to the when, we're, when we're dealing with numbers. Hundred percent, hundred percent. All right, well, Kevin. Once again, thank you so much for joining us here on the Yellow West Flight Deck. Uh, we wish you all the success. Uh, we hope one day, one day, not just Great Cup, but hopefully one day, maybe we see you back here in some capacity, whether it's coaching or coaching, doing something that may that may happen. Oh. Oh, okay. Our, yeah, we're gonna keep our fingers crossed about that one. That may happen. Okay, we'll 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 let, we'll let that play. I was about out. to say, yeah, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> Listen, always leave them wanting more, Kevin. That's exactly. that's the way it's got to be. So. <laughs> exactly. All right. Once again, well, thank you again, man, for having me on. I appreciate you guys. We're not known for doing, uh, you know, our long form interviews, at least ones with this this length. But this one was. I'm hoping that everybody who is uh, is listening to our outro here, I hope you really enjoyed it. I hope you stayed with the entire interview because, um, you know, th- these guys who are in the league as long as Kevin was, there there's so much to their story. And uh, again, I, we can't thank him enough for joining us. Thanks to Cliff for setting this thing up, and uh, just just listening to his about his wonderful career. And, and by the way, those teases about about coaching, what was that about? Uh huh. Yeah. And again, if we were investigative journalists, then we probably would have dug a little bit deeper. But you know what? Maybe this is one of those things that we just have to let sit and 
macerate a little bit. Let, let, let it, you know, develop some flavor in the slow cooker, if you will. Mm-hmm. Can you tell I haven't had dinner yet? Yeah, yeah, same here. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I, again, if if this does come to fruition and we do end up seeing Kevin Glenn back in the Canadian Football League, I can think about nine fan bases that are going to be extremely excited. Even if he's not going to end up coaching for your team, just knowing that he's back in the CFL would be such a tremendous coup. And I think if you weren't already excited about this upcoming CFL season, folks, I mean, the thought of Kevin Glenn coming back in some capacity should excite everybody. And God forbid if it ended up being, imagine if he was announced as the head coach of the next CFL team, if that actually does come to fruition as well, Tim, that would be my God. That would be pretty funny, actually. (laughs) It, it really would. I mean, whether it's the Atlantic Schooners or the Quebec whatevers or what have you, I mean, the idea of Kevin Glenn back in the CFL it would be pretty exciting all by itself. But to know that he's going to become an official member of that 10th team, which he's all for, he mm-hmm. has said in some way, shape or form, he would want to be a member of that team in order to truly make that circle complete. Wow. I mean, that. That would be tremendous beyond beyond comparison. Yeah, exactly. I mean, let us know what you guys think. I mean, uh, shout us to us on social media. You can email us. You can email me at tim.capper at alouettesflightdick.ca. You can email Cliff at uh, cliffyd.pine at alouettesflightdick.ca. Let us know what you think. Uh, what do you think about the long format interviews? Um, what Where do you think he may end up coaching? Uh, what do you think he couldn't hint about when it came to the infamous uh, expansion draft or others like that? Um, it's this book's going to be amazing, dude. Once this thing gets written, because uh, you know there's a portion of the uh, obviously of our conversation that didn't make uh, the the actual interview that you guys listened to. Uh, interesting, interesting stuff. Obviously, coming down the, that sounds like it's coming down the line for uh, uh, for KG. So it's uh, can't wait. Oh, so exciting, so exciting, and once again, these are the things that are going to help stoke the fires. I mean, when you think about it, Tim. We're just over a month away from training camp. I mm-hmm. mean, that if if that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what will. I mean, we've got the draft coming up. We've got more stuff we want to do in regards to that. Uh, there's still more players that we want to talk to and just help you guys get ready for the 2023 CFL season. And I, I sincerely hope that you folks take this interview with Kevin Glenn, and hopefully that'll help stoke the fires for you as well and just help get you just that much more, just a little bit more excited for the season that's to come. Exactly. So stay tuned to our social medias. Um, obviously, we will be having a show very shortly in the coming future. Um, I would say no more than two weeks, obviously. Um, but we have a lot of stuff to talk about. Plus, stay tuned for any information that we have when it comes to our plans for Alouette's training camp over in Trois-Rivières. Stay tuned. Uh, so, uh, again... Go ahead, make sure you share, like, subscribe, do whatever you can to make sure that people across the sea, if I listen to this interview, uh, it, it's a it's a great listen. So, uh, Cliff, again, thanks for everything, bud, for, uh, for setting this thing up, and for you, the fans, for listening. So, for everybody here at the Alouette's Flight Deck, for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. We're on Final Approach. Thanks for listening. 
Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.